Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Can the game of poker make you a better decision-maker in business and in life? Well, our special guest, Liv Bury, a former world-class poker player and European Poker Tour champion, is here to reveal poker's most valuable real-world lessons for honing your judgment, resilience, focus, and ability to read people. She'll share insider tips on when to trust your intuition versus doing the hard analytical work, how to keep emotions from misleading you, and principles for decision-making under uncertainty. This masterclass will give you a whole new edge in sharpening your thinking. So let's jump right into Liv's fascinating poker journey and what it teaches us about life and success. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Liv, my junior year of high school, 1998, a movie named Rounders came out and I got sucked up into poker. I went on to college, played football, but like for me, it was just playing with my friends, right? We were playing game. We'd watch, you know, the World Series of Poker be on a corner somewhere. And then, you know, that it was an epic movie. And uh, to me, that's all it was. And then I became a tech founder And I start hearing about investors and some really smart people playing this game, not for money, but to become better decision makers. So how can poker make us a better decision maker? Many, many ways. I think because it's all relative. I think a lot of different games can make you better at certain types of decisions. You know, chess can help you focus your mind and think many moves ahead and train your focus, which is important for decision making. But The thing that's so great about poker specifically is that it is one of the few games that can combine all the different facets of decision-making that we struggle with in life. Because like with a game with chess, you have perfect information, you have complete information, everyone has the same shared information. And also the best player basically always wins every time. Whereas Mm. in poker, we have hidden information. You know, it's possible to be misled and deceived Or simply, you just don't have access to the same information as other people. And then on top of that, you're sort of beholden to chance. You know, the cards can not go your way. You can do everything right and still lose, or you can do everything wrong and still win. And that is more analogous to how the real world operates. It's messy. It's noisy. Sometimes people have a, you know, informational advantage over us. Sometimes information is just not available at all for anybody. And you have to deal with all this uncertainty. And then this like this problem of extracting signal from noise. So poker is just like this really good sort of toy way of studying those kinds of problems and those, you know. And then on top of that, it's also puts a pile of pressure on you. You know, if you have your own money on the line, <laughs> you care about that. You want to win or you don't want to lose. And so it also is a way of making you sort of learn how to make these high stakes decisions or these important decisions under a lot of messiness and noise under pressure too. Plus, it also makes you hone both your sort of people type skills. So, you know, understanding body language, understanding people's emotions, you know, the way that they might be reacting as a result of what happened to them five minutes prior, what kind of mood they're in. And then you've also got the more like logical, analytical skills like game theory, statistics, you know, calculating, calculating odds, that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it really just tests you across the board. And I hopefully that sort of explains why I think it's 
if you wanted to become just a better decision maker in general and deal with all the curveballs that life can throw at you, learning to play poker and really understanding what the game's about is probably one of the best best things you could do. Where would you start? Like, if I don't have any aspirations to be a professional, as a matter of fact, you said that's a fool's errand nowadays. Yeah. But if I wanted to start somewhere, where would I begin? Like, where would you recommend starting? I mean, I would recommend if you can, you know, go to a local card club. I think it's fun to actually go to like places where there's other people, particularly if you, you know, you want to make friends and so on, because one of your most useful assets is like your peer group. You know, if you can make friends with people who also find the game interesting, then you've got someone to talk about it with and you'll start sort of, you'll hear ideas that, you know, you wouldn't have been able to come up with by yourself. But perhaps even prior to that, the internet is the greatest resource when it comes to learning something new. There's so much information. There's like poker schools, there's all sorts out there. It's a very cheap way of learning how the game really works. You know, you can play for free, although I would actually recommend, you know, part of the game is also you learn by playing. There's only so much like reading books can do. You just need to go out there and get real experience. But when you do, I would recommend don't play for no money. Play for a very, very small amount. (laughs) Because, I mean, maybe the very beginning you can play for no money just so you learn like the mechanics, like what hands beat what, et cetera. Like, you know, play, you can just play on one of these free play apps. But once you've actually like understood the mechanics of the game and you're very completely comfortable with the rules, I would recommend playing for what we call micro stakes because you need a little bit of skin in the game, not just for yourself to play properly, but other people need that too. And if there's not something on the line, then people won't be responding rationally to the, when you apply pressure to them, if they don't care, then you can't really apply pressure and applying pressure is a big part of, of poker. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. But just play really, really, really small. Like, I mean, literally, like, for a few dollars, like one cent, two cent is often how you, like, the other micro stakes games that you can get online. And then that way you get to see how the game really, really works, but you're not going to break the bank if it doesn't go well, which most likely it doesn't as a beginner. You know, you said something interesting, skin in the game. When I was in sports, the stakes were really high you were judged publicly, whether it was the NFL on Sunday or college football on Saturday. You, If you lost, it could be really bad. And then every November for a long period of time, my wife and I were like, are we going to get fired? Is the next, you know, where are we going to live next? Skin in the game. Then I started, I went to some different institutions that didn't, the price of losing wasn't as high. People were just cavalier about their decisions. Didn't mean as much. And so I think that's really important for outside of poker, but in real life, is it having, you need to have skin. Like if you're doing something important, you need to have a vested interest or else you're going to make flippant decisions. I think it's just, it's a really good lesson for a lot of things. What has poker taught you about luck? Hmm. What has taught me about luck is that luck doesn't care about justice. (laughs) It teaches you that. I have had times where I was like, working really hard. I'd been studying loads and I was trying so hard and the game, the cards just would not cooperate with me. And no matter how much I was like, this is not fair. This is not right. They just didn't care. And then on the flip side, I've had times where I was being kind of lazy, not really working very hard and so on. And like, as we call it, I was getting smashed in the face with the deck in in, in a good way. Like they gave me everything I needed. So that's the first thing. That said, I think there is some partial truth to the saying, you create your own luck. One of the things poker encourages you to do, and I think this applies to life, is that 
you should try and build your environment and whether that's, you know, your physical environment, the people who you're around or your mental environment, you know, your architecture of like your planning, your, your strategies and so on to basically be able to adapt to and be flexible to when luck is or isn't on your side, because luck can mislead you. Early on in my career, very early on, I won a huge, huge tournament. Like it was the biggest tournament ever held in Europe at the time for like $1.7 million. And amazing, you know, best week of my life in many ways. Um, (laughs) But what was interesting was what happened after, because I hadn't been playing the game for that long. And I essentially became a bit deluded because I had everyone sort of saying, you must be the best to win this tournament so fast. You, You must be one of the best in the world. And that started making me complacent and overconfident in what my true skill level was. And I then went on like a, what we call a big downswing. So in the next nine months, I really didn't win much at all. And a big part of that, part of it was just regression to the mean, you know, statistically, luck returns to the mean, whatever that is. But also I got complacent and I got more risky and I would play in bigger games because I know I could and so on. And so you need to be careful about not getting deluded by luck. And it can also go in the other direction as well. You know, if you're having a huge run of bad luck, it might start making you really doubt yourself in ways that you shouldn't. And mm. so that's why you need to focus on process as your primary thing. Build a, like, a really robust process and environment and sort of mental infrastructure so that you can handle and you're sort of effectively, you know, as independent from the luck factor as you can be. If you want to become a better decision maker and consistently take actions that benefit your mind, body, and recovery, then check out my newsletter, Adaptation. Every Friday, I send you actionable tips, tools, and resources that you can use right now to look, feel, and perform your best. Check it out. The link is in the show notes. That's brilliant. I like the idea of focusing on process. Because if you're always focused on the outcome, you can be deceived, right? You can think, I was with coaches in the past that were products of the talent that they had available. And then when they took that same system and they went somewhere else and the talent wasn't as good, guess what? They didn't win. Talent can cover it for a lot of things. What have you learned about your intuition? Hmm. Well, the main thing is that intuition is by and large something that needs data and experience. A lot of people, when they first start playing poker, because they don't know the logic of the game very well, they aren't intimately aware of, of odds and statistics and that kind of thing, they default to relying on their like sort of intuition about reading people because they don't know anything else. And I don't think that's a mistake, by the way, because it's like, well, what else do you do if you're a beginner? Like you have been around when people lie to you or tell you the truth and tell you stories. So like you do have some knowledge of human behavior in general, but the mistake that then a lot of beginners do is that they then think they can just rely on their intuitions. And what really happens is that, you know, you start out as a beginner, your intuitions aren't very good, but neither is your logic. And then over time, your logic starts getting better as you start to understand the game better. And the more you play, the more that logic sort of starts getting stored unconsciously as well, sort of a deeper level, Mm -hmm. which is where your intuition sort of, I think, from what I understand, intuition is basically the sort of background process that it's like a sort of form of parallel processing. If you put it in computer speak, you can have like serial processing, you know, linear processing, where it's like this, therefore that, therefore that. But you can also do stuff sort of in parallel where it's it 
we, we don't, you can't sort of scrutinize how the thought process comes. It's just like sometimes you get a flash of inspiration. Mm. But my point is, is that those flashes of inspiration do better the more experience they, more data they have to work from as well. Mm. And so a thing I've noticed is that people seem to over rely on intuitions in situations where it's not fair to expect their intuition to have good answers to, you know, like really rare life events. Should you buy this house or that house? Should you make this, you know, if you're a very casual, occasional investor, should you buy this stock instead of this stock? Who should you settle down with? All of these things. You know, I'm not saying don't ignore your intuition entirely. I think it has some value, but don't overcredit it because mm. you don't make these decisions very often. In fact, you might only make them once or twice in your life. And so your intuition doesn't have sufficient data to be as reliable. You want to use it in conjunction with a good cost benefits analysis. You know, the boring, unsexy, let's like a list of pros and cons and try and quantify them and add them up and so on. Don't use intuition as an excuse to be intellectually lazy when you're facing a tough decision is kind of what poker taught me and life as well. This is not just a poker thing. You know, I also learned this. I, I work a lot in philanthropy and I think a lot of the mistakes that people make in philanthropy is that they think it should just purely come from the heart. And, you know, it's not a thing that you should use your head for. It's just should come from emotion and heart. And it's like, no, that should be the motivator to make you go and do something. But then you should engage your brain to figure out how to choose not only which organization or whatever you want to donate to, but also which cause in the first place is actually the most important cause that, that you can make the biggest difference to. That's where somebody will take advantage of you too, when they mean? know that you're making a decision out of your emotions. So for instance, there's people that are con mm -hmm. artists, right? They'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. this person's going to make a decision out of their emotion based off of what they perceive something to be. Mm -hmm. And now I can take advantage of that. Totally. Yeah. It makes you more of an easy mark. If you're not mm -hmm. engaging. So perhaps actually another good analogy is like, like when I'm playing poker, when I used to play poker and I face like a really big decision on the river, someone goes all in. You want to listen to both your head and your heart, your, you know, your, your intuition and your logic. So usually when that person makes that big bet, I'll have some kind of feeling. My body will react in some way, either like, ooh, I'm excited. I feel like they're actually bluffing or, ooh, that's kind of scary. I actually think they have a good hand. And I'll make a mental note of that and be like, okay. But then I'll go and do the actual logic and think through, okay, well, on this card, they did this and this, they did this. So this means actually probably they don't have these kind of hands and so on. I'll then go and do the like, like mental grunt work and see what that spits out as a, what suggests I should do. And then hopefully both my intuition and my logic come to the same conclusions, but sometimes there are odds. And now this is the really difficult bit because it's like, well, how much should I listen to my intuition versus the logic? And let me tell you, even after like 15 years of playing, there'd be many times where my intuition is like, they've got the best hand this time. They've got the best hand. You've got to do the hero fold. Ignore the math. I know the math says you've got to call, but just trust me, fold. So I make the fold and then my intuition was completely wrong. And actually they, they were bluffing and I just like basically threw a bunch of money away. But there are many times when it's right. So I guess, you know, you have to understand that your even good intuitions sometimes have an error rate because emotions can cloud it. Maybe I'm having an off day. I didn't do the right meditation. Who knows? You know, <laughs> intuition is a very powerful tool, especially in conjunction with a lot of experience. But also remember, it does have an error rate. And so you need to use it in conjunction with like the logic and the, and the, the boring, unsexy cost-benefits analysis. Have you completely stopped playing poker? Pretty much. I went and played the World Series main event in Vegas in, in July, very briefly. I might play one other tournament in December, but that's really it. It's really interesting. It was just like around 2019, 2018. I just, it stopped exciting me. 
I just felt like I'd like close that, you know, it was time to close that chapter on my life. I think I'd been doing it for so long and it wasn't, I felt like I had sort of, A, the game had gotten so much harder to like make a living from for various reasons. And I didn't have the drive and hunger anymore to put in the sort of the amount of work that it would take to sort of stay. And because I had once been at like pretty top levels, anything less than that, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I can't, I'm not really happy with being mediocre or in many cases, like I was getting progressively worse relative to everyone else at the top levels because they were, you know, working hard and I just didn't have that hunger anymore. So yeah. And so now if I play, it's like purely as like a sort of fun, like nostalgic thing and it's great it's nice and i don't really have any expectations and it's just go and have a nice time before you leave today would you do me one favor we get amazing guests like Liv Marie and others that come on the show because of the number of ratings and reviews that we have for the podcast it's that simple great guests aren't going to go on shows with like one or two reviews so it's really important to do your part to help us get more great people on the show and to spread the word. So take two seconds, leave a rating and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode.